to Joe Pesci's mother and you can still hear him banging in the car and she's showing them a picture that she's painted of a dog <laughs> and it's quite yeah. that's brilliant that's so brilliant that one's going her. east that one's going and, west it's all and good and that's sort of to show the heartlessness of it and that these guys could kill you at any moment and they're going to kill you in a completely brutal and reckless way that they will have lost all humanity. And then the next frame, we see this innocent Henry Hill wanting to run errands for these guys because they're so glamorous. And it's the collision of glamour and violence that we actually now take for granted. Hello, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher. Joining us today, we have Viv. Hi. <laughs> Rosie. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we are reviewing Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter. At FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to FlixWatcher podcast. In our studio today we have Viv and Rosie. If you would like to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them about the work that you do please. Hi, I'm Viv Groskop. I'm a writer and a comedian and I'm the author of a book called How to Own the Room, Women and the Art of Brilliant Speaking, which is also a top 10 iTunes podcast. We're now on series four, coming up series five soon, uh, featuring women from all different walks of life talking about what they do to own the room. Have you got any tips for us uh, to entice people to listen to a podcast? Not, don't want to give away your top tips, but something that draws Actually, people. I'm just going to give you for free, Kobe, my ultimate top tip. Okay. And I'm going to demonstrate it for you right now. I'll have to describe it, this being audio. It's to use a pointless pen. So what you do if you're feeling nervous mm. and you have to speak in front of people, uh, if you're in a meeting or you're standing up, as long as you can discipline yourself to not move this pen. I'm, tw I'm twitching it now. People can perhaps hear it. <laughs> Discipline yourself to not move the pen and hold on to it. Mm. It can be a really good way of focusing your attention and reminding yourself to be as still as you can when you speak. So it's about focusing your attention, not the attention of the of the audience. It's a reminder to yourself mm. to be still. And it's a courtesy to the audience because people are much easier to understand when they are still. Okay. Mm. Ah, so moving Gosh. around a lot is not something you want to be doing well then. it can be like you know Rosie yeah, so I run around the well, stage yeah, so when I'm doing stand up because I do I demonstrate kind of this that one of my kind of favourite routines is one about giant lesbians and teeny tiny gay men so I'm kind of running from one end of the stage to the other from sort of a really doing a tall kind of shape to a really tiny one and people like the physicality of mm. that so it does kind of I, I know there is this idea you're meant to be still um, but I, I think I completely <laughs> disobey that rule and I don't know whether it's to my own detriment or not. No, no, I think it's completely depends on the context and the problem is that for most, you do that for a reason, yeah, you know, you're yeah. doing it to enhance yeah. that story and act it out and it really brings it to life. It is one of your finest moments. That, I love <laughs> that, that bit of your act, Rosie. Oh, um, but for most people, they move not because it's part of what they're putting across to people, because they're nervous. Yeah, And the nerves come across. Yeah. In the in the in portrayal, uh, Rosie, you kind of introduced yourself a bit, but let's oh, I did a little bit. Yeah, well, sure. Well, look at me just jumping ahead. I'm Rosie Wilby. I'm a comedian and author of the book Is Monogamy Dead, and also host and creator of the Breakup Monologues podcast, which is a chat show often recorded live at King's Place, where myself and two or sometimes three guests will share breakup stories and dissect the weirdness of love relationships, ghosting, divorce parties, micro-cheating, who knows what. Uh, Viv Groskop has been a guest on, on the show and we've also had lots of fabulous people, Richard Herring and Dolly Alderton, lots of, Sophie lots Hagen. of fabulous people. Sophie Hagen has been on as well, mm -hmm. Brett Goldstein. Uh, we also had... Um, 
uh, Lynn Ruth Miller telling us about dating and sex for the over 80s, which yeah. was illuminating. I've seen Lynn at, uh, in Edinburgh a couple of times. She's an experience. It's just brilliant. <laughs> so we've had Alex Fox as well, who's been on oh, the show. She, and, yeah, she was on the show. Oh, I was on it well. with Alex, Alex Fox. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, she's good great. Episode. Yeah. Um, so we're here talking today about Goodfellas, which is your choice, Viv. Yes. Can you, <laughs> emphatically, yes. yes. Can you tell us why you chose it and give us a two-minute synopsis, please? I chose Goodfellas because it is a masterpiece of cinema. I think it's maybe one of the top three films of all time. Right. Um, and I think I'm far from being alone in saying that. I think it's generally recognised as one of the great masterpieces of cinema and of Scorsese's career. Um, made in 1990, this film is a refreshing two hours and 28 minutes. <laughs> and it really is about, uh, and it's very interesting because this actor didn't particularly get recognised, I, I think, in the legacy of this film. It's about Ray Liotta, who plays the character of Henry Hill, and who is a a gangster. This is all about Italian mafia in New York. And it opens in 1955. And in 1955, uh, Henry Hill, played by Ray Liotta, is a kid in an Italian, Irish, American family. And he is failing at school, feeling ignored by his parents in, in this kind of tenement, crowded life. And he can see all around him that there are these wise guys who are having a glamorous life. They have gorgeous suits. All the women are interested in them. They appear to have loads of money. They're always flashing the dollar bills and tipping people. Um, they have great hair. They're really sharp. And that's who, as a teenager, he wants to be. So he starts hanging out with these guys. And then we, we follow him over the next few decades yeah. leading right up into the 80s and it's an extraordinary sweep of a life this film and we see how he interacts with particular characters so obviously people will know um, Robert De Niro as Jimmy uh, Joe Pesci as Tommy um, Paul Sorvino as Paulie mm. these characters who become a second family um, to Henry Hill and he all he really wants is to be one of them and to be on a par with them. And for a long time through the 60s and the 70s, he does achieve that and he becomes part of the gang and he's one of the guys. And then we gradually see it all start to unfold. And one of the one of the really interesting points of this film is how there's this dynamic that in order to really be part of this gang, because this, this is a film about belonging, I think. Uh, the, to be part of this gang, you have to be proper, proper Italian-American and you have to be from Sicily. And Henry Hill isn't because he's got Irish blood. And it's the same for Robert De Niro's character. Mm. So it's all about whether you're going to become a made man. And that's all they're really after. It's about hierarchy um, and it's about masculinity. Um, and I, I just, I love this film so much. I just think it's so beautifully shot. The characterization so incredible. The costumes are amazing. The period detail, you know, from 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, it's just so rich. Before we get to Helen, um, I was not happy with the collars in any of this. The collars? Yeah. <laughs> what? You feel this wrong, the collars, de wrong the, detail? The collars, no, just the way they kind of came like really pointed collars that came really close tailored to the time. Tailored suits. That's not how tailored suits worked. What um, then? I mean, I mean, it was back then, but I, was just, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop looking at how these collars worked. The way they're like, Pinch so close to each other, you can't even see the knot of the tie. Anyway, Helen, sorry, um, your, your, your thoughts on Goodfellas? Um, <laughs> I believe you've watched Goodfellas. That's your main takeaway. Um, <laughs> look at I'm, I'm I'm hovering over. Look at the look at the collars yeah. here. They're so it weird. It's weird. I agree. It's not uh, weird. Can I ask? How's, how's that not can weird? Can I ask early on? Um, <laughs> how many of you had? How many times have you seen this film before? Because for me, this is maybe like the sixth or seventh time that I'd seen it. Um, this is probably third or fourth for me. Okay. Well, I was really surprised. I don't think I have watched it before, which is so odd because I have watched a lot of Scorsese's back catalogue. But I don't think I'd watch. I think I'm definitely in double figures. Okay, okay. You're just getting a lay of the land here. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I just, I think we need to talk about this film as a phenomenon that most people will have seen. Mm. Um, it's not something new for people. Yeah. So thoughts, Helen? So um, I had a bit of a Scorsese phase when I was in my late teens and it's that's one phasey. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> um and I basically just tried to kind of watch all of his films and I remember watching this and just thinking it was incredible. Um there's just so many things 
that I think are brilliant. And without Scorsese making this, we wouldn't have a lot of the films that we have now. Or TV shows. Mm. Or TV shows or anything like that. And I I had the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is amazing. All the performances are great in it. And like you said, the, the costume is a period piece as well. It's incredible. And the level of detail that all the characters went to into researching their real life characters and Scorsese went into into making sure that they, they felt like these real people and these things, you know, fictionalization on the way, but mm. these things really happen. And the shot where he enters the club through the kitchen is still amazing now. I mean, we take it for granted that that's kind of, you know, it's a long tracking shot. But watching mm. that, you know, probably when I watched it in it's kind of like the like the late mid 90s I was just amazing I think it's it's still that brilliant and it's massively sweary <laughs> it's not quite as violent I don't think as maybe people think it is there's a couple of particularly violent scenes mm. but I think people think it's a lot more violent than it actually is because outside of those two scenes which two scenes are we talking about? We all had spoilers in. Um, well, it's the, it's a, the boot of the car. The, the beginning. Of the, car. <laughs> the beginning. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the beginning. boot of the car, yeah, the of the car is at the beginning, but and it's also then it's repeated yeah, it's like later on. So it's, yeah. it's the same. It's the same guy um, Billy who Bats. gets whacked. Yeah. Um, but there's also things like I remember the thing that I think I remembered the most as um, the use of Layla um, towards the end. I think that's when. When I think about Goodfellas, that's one of the things that I really think about. And towards the end part of the film where he's obsessed with the helicopters, um, the use of soundtrack and how it's filmed is really stuck in my memory. Rosie, your first time watching it. Yeah, well, I, I am really surprised that I didn't watch this before because I came to London after graduating in the mid-90s and I really tried to catch up on all forms of culture. I was working a little bit in the film industry as a production assistant and production coordinator um, on some gay films for a, a kind of queer film company and stuff. And I did catch up on a lot of Scorsese films. I remember thinking that in particular, I thought Taxi Driver was an incredibly powerful film, obviously another one of his collaborations with De Niro. I also... Um, even though I wasn't a comedian yet, I quite enjoyed The King of Comedy, not mm. one of their most famous, perhaps, collaborations, but I particularly enjoyed that one. Um, but I was so surprised that I hadn't seen Goodfellas. And I think it's it's quite strange seeing something like this for the first time now, because I totally appreciate that it's, it is part of an important lineage that has led to some of the pop culture that we have now, uh, gangster films and crime TV series and so on. But I feel... I felt watching it now, it had been so surpassed by The Sopranos, by series like Narcos and, and all the kind of crime TV series that we have that I just felt it kind of, it felt somehow weak to me. I, I love, <gasps> I know, I know, I'm surprised because I know it's supposed to be a classic. I just felt it was a little two dimensional. I think in The Sopranos, you have so much more nuance. You understand why the characters are the way they are, kind of much more about why they've got into that life. You know, you begin The Sopranos with Tony Soprano in therapy. You have much more um, rich female characterization as well, because of course, interesting, Lorraine Bracco, who is Karen in Goodfellas, uh, turns up as Dr. Melfi in The Sopranos. And she's a much more powerful and intriguing character because she is in charge of, of Tony Soprano and what's going on in his brain. Um, whereas, you know, even though she's a feisty gangster's wife in, in Goodfellas, she she kind of is a bit stuck and has to stay. And I I sort of feel like it's just a load of you know, macho men going around killing people. And I, you know, I don't mind watching a bit of violence, but I thought too open in the way that it does with the scene in the boot of the car. It seemed pointless and I couldn't understand why it opened like that um, and why you sort of have a, you know, you kind of have a sort of flash forward, if you like, and then you go back to that scene. Um, some of the narrative structure and then suddenly when it suddenly starts rushing um, at the end when he's going through that day, Ray Liotta is where he sees the helicopters and, and everything. Mm. The pacing of it seems weird to me. I, I agree that things like the tracking shot would have been absolutely 
pioneering in 1990 but now we've had Birdman and we've had a whole film that's one single tracking shot or arguably Um, you know so I kind of feel like yes the use of music is brilliant I loved all the music that's true but I did not love it nearly as much as I thought you're supposed to love Goodfellas. I, I, you know, I found Joe Pesky's character awful. You know, me and my girlfriend both are just like, I just can't, I can't watch him anymore. You know, I can't listen to him. Um, we actually watched it in two stints because we were just so tired of him just jumping up into a rage. And I wanted more nuance. I wanted him to be in therapy. I want to know why he's so filled with rage. Why is he on such a short fuse? Yeah, you don't what, really go to no. Goodfellas for nuance, I think I'm they, afraid. Well, I think the the thing here is the the problem we have with Sopranos yeah. is um, sorry the problem we have is that Sopranos you've got a TV series and you can explore oh, that you've got so much and, time and that's and yeah, that's the benefit and that's why a lot of people talk about the golden age of TV and that you can you can go into the depths of these characters and that's where sometimes I think a show if if Goodfellas was to be made now I'd be quite happy if this actually was remade as a TV show yeah I'd, actually, I'd, I'd like to understand that I'd like to I'd, I'd happily watch that. Um, and when you hear about TV shows, when you hear about films being re- remade as TV shows, I'm like, I'm really quite interested because I like to, I, pref- I do prefer the long form drama of it. And when you said two and a half hours at the top, and I was like, I could spend a lot more time with these characters and go into a bit more depth. I do, I, this is like the third or fourth time I've watched this. And the first time I watched it, I didn't get it. But with each watch, I've enjoyed it more and things like the tracking shots and things like how the camera moves between characters, anticipates where characters are going to go to. was something I didn't appreciate when I first kind of started watching film. I was just like, well, you just think putting the camera where the person is and you don't kind of appreciate <laughs> what the skill is involved in that. So I think with each rewatch, it's, it, for me, it gets better and better. Um, huge, huge fan of Sopranos and I, I do really enjoy the lineage that it's, it's built up. But I think there's that thing of like, um, like if you watch Citizen Kane, yeah, yeah. You almost have to have an education as to why Citizen Kane is a good film before you watch it. It's like the first time you had these kind of shots, the first time they did Steadicam into the X, Y, Z, and I think that's perhaps might be what a bit of you feeling you're feeling now is that you've seen the benefit of the skills that these guys pioneered yeah, yeah. decades ago, and there's maybe that I don't know if you have to have the appreciation of it, but it's still. Do you need to pay homage to it or do you kind of think, well, it's be- it's, they do it better now? Well, this is a very, very interesting point that you guys have raised because I, like I, the, I don't want us to go into an era where mm. we can't watch our no, no, films anymore. You... And we're, but, but you're right on some level that mm. this long form narrative that has become so popular mm. and even things like, you know, I watch um, Handmaid's Tale yeah. and to compare that with the original novel Mm. and then you've got a piece of television that is maybe 30 hours long and it's had dozens of writers working on it and has had you know millions and millions of pounds pumped into it compared to one person's work in it I mean it's just there's no comparison just as there's no comparison with the dozens of hours of The Sopranos and the two hours is quite problematic isn't it I mean the TV series so I don't know yeah well, I think it's very interesting how our attention is becoming divided yeah. now that we, we we learn to appreciate things in different ways. Yeah. And part of it is to do with the long form and that there's more space to explore. And part of it is to do with this idea you're talking about, Rosie, of, you know, we're, we're educated now. Like we know about this, this kind of filming and it doesn't feel so um, fresh maybe anymore. But for me, I really appreciate Goodfellas as a brilliant, film Mm. you know it's and it's not to do with when it was made and I mean it's pretty weird that it was made in 1990 in a way if you think when The Godfather was made and Mm. it it feels like something that could have been made in the 1970s Um, and that's something really interesting I think it's its own little thing that exists as a perfect little piece of film and um, I I hope we've made it clear by the way that it's based on a true story and that was taken from a book and Scorsese really wanted to adapt this and a lot of the events were happening more or less in real time so as they were filming this these guys were being tried and put in prison and so they were able to have and you know Henry Hill was in the witness protection program and they were able to have a very small amount of access to him so there's an interesting dynamic there of them representing this true story but I feel that the way Scorsese represented it and what's made it such a lasting film is it's it's this kind of fable it's this magic little sort of horrible fairy tale of like a disastrous bro movie (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, where all the bros, they're going to kill you. Like, And that's, you know, the tension and the reason they show that shot at the beginning of the film before then going, so that's happening in the 80s when we see this guy has been killed and they've put him in the back of the car and he's not quite dead and you can hear him banging on the on the in the boot of the car and then they go yeah. around to Jay Pesci's mother and you can still hear him banging in the yeah. car and she's showing them a picture that she's painted of a dog. <laughs> it's quite, yeah. that is brilliant. It's so brilliant. That one's going east, that one's going and, west. It's all and good. And that's sort of to show the heartlessness of it and that these guys could kill you at any moment and they're going yeah. to kill you in a completely brutal and reckless way that they would have lost all humanity. And then the next frame, we see this innocent Henry Hill wanting to run errands for these guys because they're so glamorous. You see some- and it's the yeah. collision of glamour and violence that we actually now take for granted because of a lot of uh, brilliant TV stuff. That collision of, you know, you see it in House of Cards as well. We see some of the, I think in terms of violence, it's perhaps not as violent as uh, as you think, but the, the contrast, and particularly Joe Pesci's character, the way he flips on on nothing, like shooting a spider in the foot and then shooting him, and then oh. killing him, and killing him dead for for very, very, very yeah, little. But there's something that very, is... there's something very brave with Joe Pesci's character that I had forgotten, having seen this several times. That famous scene, which I think is one of the most famous scenes in all of cinema, of amusing how. Yeah, funny how. You think funny oh, how, yeah, yeah. I'm a clown. You know, that scene is very early on. Mm. It's in the sort of maybe first 15 minutes. And that is educating us from the beginning of these guys look glamorous and we see them through through Henry Hill's eyes, but we know that they're killers. And not only are they killers, they are psychopaths. Mm. Mm. I think with the with the Billy Bat scene when he when they first get him in the club and mm. it's just as a result of go and get your fucking sh- your shine box and that's what turns Joe Pesci. The thing that su- the thing that surprises me is that how quickly Henry Hill and um, Jimmy the Jimmy Irish yeah. Yeah, yeah they jump in on that as well as like if, okay if one one of us is going down for this or one of us is getting involved everyone has to get involved and it didn't seem to they didn't even seem to bat an eyelid before piling in did they. Well, I guess at that point, there was no turning back, really, because that, that's the moment where basically things start to go wrong. That's for, the, for Joe Pesci, at least. Well, yeah. for all of them, that's when yeah. the, the turning point, which is why it's there at the start of the film, mm. because that is the moment that they, they cross the line with the made man. And that's when um, they start getting into the wrong deals. That's where they start, you know, going for these huge heists. It's all like the moment, everything after that moment is what ruins it for everyone. Is it that? Because um, I think the they still when's the Lufthansa heist? Is that after that though? When everyone's successful? Because it's yeah, it's when it's when that. it's when Joe Pesci becomes certainly a marked man, and that's when mm. that's why he was never gonna get he was he was gonna die. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Henry Hill died of old age. Jimmy Jimmy, what's his face, goes to prison, uh, and I don't necessarily think I think it was just Joe Pesci who was like everyone said. Well, it was him. The other guys were just there, and they're his friends. But it has a great suspense to it because there's this recklessness of well, Joe Pesci isn't necessarily going to die because he could kill everyone else first, mm. and he's he's very free and easy with his. He never knows when he's going to kill somebody, and we see that from the spider moments where you know the I'm first time he shoots him afterwards. in the foot the next time he just shoots him i thought um for me de niro's best moment was when he's uh, in the phone box when <gasps> he's, he's heard that oh his gosh. friend has, has been whacked yeah. yeah yeah that's such a great scene yeah i liked it after the lufthansa heist when he was trying to like he told everyone to stop not not to spend anything just be fucking sensible well this is this is another <laughs> yeah. thing that it's actually really funny there's a lot of really funny moments mm. in it as well um maury with a wig yep maury <laughs> yep it's just it's really funny and it is this really absurd lifestyle that they managed to get away with for so long mm. basically stealing stuff killing people and you know they live like kings for so long and got away with it nearly. And I think that's why I'm, I I struggle with it because it is true that they behave like that and, and got away with it and killed nearly. people. Well, yeah, okay, nearly, but got away with it for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of struggle with the fact that that is something to be celebrated, really. Oh yeah, well, this is the celebration element is is really interesting and important because Martin Scorsese said from the beginning that he didn't want people to revere these guys. Okay. He didn't want them to be glamorous, 
And for me, uh, I think he kind of messed up. <laughs> and that's why- <laughs> He made him too glamorous. Yeah, I think he makes, and I think it's almost the opposite that this film succeeds because you think, wow, they do have an amazing life. Yeah. And yet they yeah. decided to kill people and live completely without morals. But the life is exciting and you see the belonging that they get from it and this and how lost they are without it. Mm. And you he lets you see how seductive it is. Of course, I have not followed any of the life choices of anybody involved in Goodfellas. <laughs> not um, yet. <laughs> not yet. But and, and I love um, you were mentioning, Rosie, about the sort of problematic nature of this is a very masculine film and, yeah. and the there are quite a lot of female characters in it, but they're very much periphery. They're very much wallpaper. But we see a lot of it through the eyes of Lorraine Bracco um, as Karen Hill. So Karen, um, she actually gets a nar narration, which I always forget. She does. Yeah, yeah. And, and we see that she has to become seduced by this world mm -hmm. because initially she thinks Henry Hill is a complete idiot. <laughs> and then when she gradually thinks, okay, maybe he's not that bad and it's after the tracking scene going through the nightclub and he's high-fiving everybody and giving them money and they bring champagne and they bring a special table out to the front I love how they bring the special table out <laughs> yeah. and the, the tablecloth and everyone's looking at them and it's like you know those pictures that old pictures that you see of Ava Gardner and Marilyn Monroe at the front of a nightclub with JFK not literally but you know that kind of thing and she suddenly falls in love with this world and the more time goes on she you know there's a scene where she's wearing Pucci and you know it's it's very cleverly done and that was it almost felt as if it's got a tinge of that sort of nudge nudge wink wink of like dynasty dallas joan <laughs> collins you know that's it's all pretty tacky but we see it through her eyes and we kind of believe it because you have to believe that that lifestyle was worth living yeah otherwise why would she put up with it? Because we have mm. sympathy for her. Well, she's not a fan of a lot of it, is she? She's no. she's in love with Henry. She doesn't like... Well, she's like, it. I was very attracted to him, so yeah. I had to stay. <laughs> but she doesn't like the the other gangster uh, ladies. So they've got bad Girlfriend. hair and bad skin. Yeah, bad hair and bad... She doesn't, just doesn't get on with that. She's... Too much makeup and bad skin. Well, and yeah. she's Jewish. Beaten. She's yeah. Jewish and they're all Italian. Or and Irish she just Italian. has to accept that he has other lovers, he has another girlfriend, and then another girlfriend after that. smuggle sausages into the prison. Yeah. I love the babysitter, incidentally. <laughs> the babysitter so funny, is a great, <laughs> sort of totally corrupt, uh, morally bankrupt character who's very casually smuggling drugs in the days before there was any airport security. They're just taking it all to her <laughs> yeah. legs and putting it in nappies and she's yeah. just going along with it to get the money. I think... Um, There's some we... great life tips in is this there? movie. <laughs> I, was just thinking, I was trying to compare it to Sopranos in terms of flashiness. I, I kind of feel sorry. I feel really sorry for Henry Hill and the guys because they they do get a lot of this money, but they don't seem to know how to hold on to it. And they're you know gambling away and, and doing all You're the like drugs. Wishing and... you could be their financial. Advisor. Yeah, I was like, guys, guys, come and <laughs> get an ISA. I know it's not America. I know we're not UK, but get an ISA. Put your money in there. Guaranteed return for like twenty years. Get it out later on. Um, well, I was just going to say, I think really interesting because he made Casino. What was it like? Five years after this. Which is sort of the same film, but not really. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. five years later and it, yeah, it is almost like a remake. But it's not, but it kind of is. Mm. And I think there's there's a lot in that that I really enjoy as well, even though he is kind of repeating a lot of the things that he's done here. Um, What's so your, I guess that's the Scorsese. Should, we before we go into the score, should we... Do we have a favourite Scorsese film around here? And how much are you looking forward to The Irishman? Oh start, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, the Irishman is is crazy. You know, who who would believe that they would reunite Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro? I mean, well, Al Pacino's for the first time with those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing, and it, I'm only worried that it's going to be awful. But See that? that's that's the worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it won't be. It'll be amazing. <laughs> um, speaking of Scorsese films, I want to mention my absolute favourite Scorsese film. I'm interested if you guys have seen it. Hugo. I have. Hugo. Hugo. Oh, no. That's your favourite one? Yeah. Okay, interesting. I absolutely love that movie. Do you know it? Yeah, I've seen it. I saw I it in the cinema. I love that movie. It's, it's a love letter to cinema. 
and it's all about his him being a little boy like it's even before that kind of henry hill stage of mm. realizing what adults do and oh that looks exciting and look at the guys over there it's when you're really really young and dreaming of things and dreaming of stories and filmmaking and oh it's so magical and Sasha Baron Cohen is so brilliant in it. You obviously hate it. Kobe. I don't hate it. I just don't. Um, I think it's it probably wouldn't be in my top movie. five. It's yeah. incredible. Helen, do you have a, a favourite Scorsese film? So probably Raging Bull. Yeah, I'm not seeing Raging Bull or Casino. Um, out of the ones I've seen, I know I've seen Raging Bull a long, long time ago, and mm. I have seen Casino. I, I did think Taxi Driver was very powerful, um, but I, I kind of enjoyed The King of Comedy, which is because I think I'm not massively a fan of gangster films and violent kind of mob macho kind of films. Um, so, the, you know, I'm just more of an art house indie world cinema yeah. kind of geek. Um, so, yeah. So I suppose there was a more of an offbeat feel about something like The King of Con Comedy that I really liked. Um, so, so yeah, maybe I'll say that. And and I think, yeah, as far as kind of... And you're, you're, com you're a comedian as well. Yeah, I'm a comedian as well. So, yeah. So I think kind of, you know, big, big directors of a certain vintage, I'm probably more of a Spiel, Spielberg girl in terms of my childhood and my sort of lineage of films that I've loved. So I think I'm um, I can see he is great. I appreciate him, but I don't have the same connection that you all do. I think. I don't think I'm that big a Scorsese a file. I think I think he's great. I think like self more Spielberg um, kind of kind of film viewer. You can be both. I know you can't, but I'm saying that's what I'm saying. I'm more. Scorsese is also things I think people forget, but like Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. The Departed, Board, Boardwalk Empire, Age of Innocence. Oh, yes. Oh, I did love that. Yeah, so he's got yes, a much broader range than sometimes people think. No, I think Goldfellas is probably my favourite um, overall. As what I would say is like a, a classic uh, Scorsese film. But I think Departed is is higher up there than, than a lot of people. I find that would. so easy to watch. Yeah. I, think I don't it's know what really, it is really cool about film. it, but I just find that if it, if it's ever it's on, then I'm like, right. Just don't anyone hours. ever watch Cape Fear because you'll never sleep <laughs> again. Oh yeah, okay. you'll never travel in a vehicle again without checking underneath it. So we head to the scores, guys. Welcome to uh, Flix Watcher Scores. Um, all of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places, and we'll start with you, Viv, with the recommendability, please. It has to be a five. 5.0. I'm doing the face of people at an ice skating event, the Olympics. <laughs> what were the, no, the 5. judges? 5.0. 5.0. Um, because this is an essential film to see. I think you cannot understand cinema. You can't understand acting. You can't understand <laughs> New York. This is a quintessential <laughs> New York movie. Um, you, there's so much that you, you need to know. By seeing this film, I would. I, I think seeing as I don't know. It's, I don't, it doesn't set me as a New York film um, because you don't see. I, like, I think a lot of New York is the city and being in there in Manhattan and stuff. You don't really have that, do you? Um, but it's certainly for me. It's that kind of tri-state area of um, New Jersey and New York kind of suburbs, more like The Sopranos. Is that? Mm. But it's yeah, it's a five. <laughs> I mean, would you not? Who not recommend recommend Goodfellas? Well, Rosie. Um, oh, yeah, it's tough because, yeah, I'm kind of surprised how I didn't love it. Um, I'll, I'll kind of go a three because there are people I would recommend it to. But actually, uh, uh, you know, a lot of my friends are probably more, yeah, kind of looking for something with a more female sensibility. Um, I know what my friends tend to like, so I probably wouldn't recommend it to loads of them. So I'll go three. Helen? Um, I'm going to give it a five. I just think it's brilliant. Um, just from the first time that I watched it and just there's so many things that stay in your memory where, you know, at the end where there's my way, they wanted to use the Frank Sinatra one where they weren't allowed. So they oh, used Sid Vicious, Sid Vicious instead. Yeah, I love that. And, he, you know, the, um, <laughs> and, you know, the, the Layla and the, the meat trucks and them just kind of like discovering all the bodies to that there's just so so many things that i really love and um you know this was kind of peak de niro i think hmm. he'd kind of that's that's the point isn't it because he's with meet the parents at al 
<laughs> the, uh, I won't have a word said that, against Meet the Parents. Well, Meet the Parents is fine, but the subsequent ones, that's what, it's the et al. Meet the yeah. Fockers. Meet, meet I the, love uh, Meet the Fockers. Oh, no, oh, no, it's, no. that's really bad. <laughs> and, the, and the Little Fockers as well, that's the worst. Is there a third one? Yeah. We what? Love, we love the Fockers in our house. The first one I find great. But now it's just doing, yeah, anyway, Karen. Yeah, I mean, the first one, uh, this, this is peak, definitely peak De Niro and... Um, yeah, and the soundtrack's great. I love it. Uh, I'm getting it for a 4.1 here. Um, lots of people I couldn't recommend it to because literally within two minutes, you're, you're stabbing a guy quite happily in the chest in, the, in a car boot. So it would be put on a lot, a lot of people I know off. But it is pretty much otherwise essential watching, I think. Um, but I think I would, I kind of err on Rosie's side. I think I'd rather watch... Sopranos and I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching Sopranos at some point soon and I think that's get me gets me a bit more excited than than Goodfellas yeah, traitors but I'm looking forward whacked. to I'm super looking forward <laughs> oh, to watching the Irishman yeah. I'm looking forward to watching that a lot I don't I think it's more because the f- film choices of basically all of all of the leads recently have not really been great no and I don't know whether it's it's going to be like kind of like wheeling out the greats and them just kind of like shuffling through it or whether he is actually going to work his magic eyebrow magic and get a good performance because that's where he stores his power, Scorsese, in his, in his wonderful eyebrows. Um, I would be sad if it's not a great, at least if it's not a great film, mm. if they're kind of like a bit naff in it but the film's still great then I'll probably be okay but I, I, the thought of watching a bad Scorsese film I find really sad do you think it has to be it has to be surpass every expectation otherwise it just wouldn't be well my expectations are quite low given right. that I just but do you think other people's expectations are quite high though aren't they well I don't know because I think people's fears yeah. are great yeah and also there's a lot of young people who probably don't really know that much about Scorsese. They probably don't care about this. No. Um, you know. Let's round them up. <laughs> and, and do what with them? Put them in a Scorsese re-education camp. Yeah. What else? I guess if you tell How them that this How, is the guy. How many hours is it? This is the guy like, that made Wolf of Wall Street. That, I think that'll get people over the line. Maybe. Yeah. If they that's, don't that know who he film. is and they don't want to go and see a film that's got Robert De Niro, Jay Pesci and Al Pacino, then, you know, it, their their life is their own reward. But I think you find nowadays there's, there's these kids that just haven't had the same education as yourselves. I was trying to explain, there was a, there was a, when I was working, I worked in, uh, with a few startups and there was a young girl there wearing a, a Bill and Ted's t-shirt. She hadn't watched the film. She was just wearing the t-shirt and I was like, <laughs> oh, you like Bill and Ted? What's that? Sorry. But this is that, it's so weird, t-shirt. isn't it? Because it's like saying, you know, I wasn't alive when All About Eve was made. Am I going to see All About Eve? Yes. I mean, there are basic things. Like if you're interested in cinema, <laughs> if you're interested in, in you know. Oh, you should be. I mean, it's great. All life. About Eve was brought, first time I watched All About Eve was when someone brought it here. And I was like, this, this is amazing. This is great. And that's one of those films where you don't have to explain why it's good. You just like absorb it compared to... Uh, Citizen Kane, which is a good fun film, but then when someone explains why it's good, that adds an extra layer to it. But all about all about Eva's just like, well, this is a great film. We're not asking them to watch Battleship Potemkin here. We're just asking them to watch Goodfellas. You're fighting a good fight. I like it. Repeat viewing score, Viv. Five. (laughs) Of course. Um, So you've watched it like six or so times, you say? Yeah, I've watched it six or seven times. This last viewing... Um, for this spectacular podcast I undertook having not seen it for maybe four or five years and I was slightly worried that too much time had elapsed too many Netflix uh, TV (laughs) series had been watched I would have ruined my own ability to see this film in the way that I want to see it but no it's it's still it's still got it Rosie it's your first time watching it? Yeah, I mean, maybe I will give it another chance at some point. Um, I'll, I'll go three again. Helen? I wish I'd made a note of how many times I've seen it because when I first saw it, I probably saw it maybe three or four times in a year. Right. Maybe even more than that. How old were you when you first saw it? Maybe, I don't know, 16 maybe, 15? Okay. Repeat being score. Um, four point five. I was, I was, I was wondering if I 
would love it as much as I used to rewatching it. Uh, I think I was like a little bit the same. Um, and yeah, and it it's, it's, it's two and a half hours, but basically it spans 1955 to 1980. So I think it does a pretty good job of keeping the runtime for two and a half hours. And I don't think it sags. It's a pleasurable two and two and a half hours for me. Um, I, again, just to reassure, I think I'd, I'd love to watch this in, in this, even if it was like a limited series, I think that'd be absolutely outstanding. I'd love that more. Um, but I did as soon as it started, well, you suggested it, Viv, and I thought, yeah, I've not seen that for a while. That sounds great. Um, and then within five minutes of the, the stabbing, I was like, oh, yes, let me just settle in again. <laughs> I'd love a good stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> I do live in Camden. Um Dear. But yeah, so I'm definitely going to watch it again, and I really, really enjoyed this rewatch. And I, having said I, I'm not that big a rewatcher or Scorsese fan. I, I do need to rewatch a few of his films. Departed. I'm not seeing Wolf of Wall Street again. I'm not sure I will do so straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is probably one of his most rewatchable ones. And I'm not seeing Raging Bull ever. I maybe will do at some point. But maybe I should see that before watching this again. I mean, they're, they're different. But King of Comedy, sorry. Films. I, I love King of Comedy. I've only seen that once. I, I, I love that, King yeah. of to- Comedy, but yeah. I think Kim, King of Comedy is more disturbing than Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah, okay. It, <laughs> it really is a, an exploration of, of a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> um, At close quarters. So I'm going to give it a four because I think it bears rewatching and I think it gets better. It does get better with rewatch. Um, small screen score. Oh, yes. Well, this is an interesting one because I have never seen it in the cinema. If it came on at Prince Charles, would you make your way towards watching it? Yeah, I would actually. Um, and I'm just planning to go and see a lot of films that I've um, only seen on small screen in, mm. in cinema, like quite old films. So, yeah. Uh, do I think it needs to be seen in a cinema? This is quite an important question, though, you see. I'm going to give this a 4.9 because <laughs> I do think it works very well on a small screen and it loses virtually nothing but I want to pay homage to the greatness of the cinema (laughs) theatre and yeah I do think ultimately the perfect viewing would be in the cinema. Rosie? Um, uh, Yeah it seemed to work pretty well on the small screen I I would probably like to see it on a bigger screen and kind of kind of get more of the impact of the, the tracking shots and so on um, and hear the sound on, you know, mm. big speakers. So, uh, yeah, maybe I'll go 3.5. Helen? Yeah, I've never seen this at the cinema um, and watched it many times to begin with on a VHS. Yeah. <laughs> on a big cathode rage TV, yeah. four <laughs> by three. And, and then <laughs> an even, like, smaller one on my, like, one that went to uni with me. Yeah, 14 inch. Yeah. Weighs more than a child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would like to see it um, in the cinema as it was meant to be viewed. Um, mm. But, you know, those years of watching it, it's not, I've, you know, I've still enjoyed it. So I'm going to go for a four. Yeah, I'm going to go for a four as well. I think I would like to see it to get a bigger impact and to absorb, like I say, Rose of the tracking shots and how it's been kind of put together um the music's never been a that big a feature for me in this it's never that i think he's a lot more subtle than quentin is with his sound mixing of his song so maybe they don't hit me as much as it does for yourself helen um the biggest one was the the sid vicious version of um, my way that hit me and of course there's always the it's just a shower yes away. give me shelter give me shelter there you go which is always in yes which is always in the scorsese film um so i'm gonna go for four so what did you say helen uh f- four as well four yeah. Well, I think you could watch this on a phone. No problem. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know if you should watch anything on a phone. Oh, contentious. <laughs> Take it everywhere with you and watch it every day on your phone. Uh, engagement score, Viv. Yeah, this is where I say that having watched it multiple times, mm-hmm. for me, for me personally, it is always engaging. Um, but it is interesting, and I think, Helen, you raised this point, and Rosie, you mentioned it too, that there's a slight un- unevenness of pacing. Right. And I do think, and, and I wonder as well, that if, you know, Ray Liotta was not really garlanded for this performance in the way I think he should have been. Mm. So It's um, surprising, isn't it? Yeah, Joe Pesci had an Oscar nomination, so did Lorraine Bracco. Um, 
I think there were other awards like Golden Globes and BAFTAs and things where Robert De Niro w- was mentioned. Ray Liotta's was, wasn't really in the picture. And I think that there's an unevenness at the end of the film, which there's something quite clever going on there where he's descending, you know, he's descending into hell. He's taking too many drugs. He's absolutely green in the face mm. and sweating for like, like the last of quarter of the film. It's quite, it's quite distressing that part, isn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, and <laughs> I I really enjoy that and I'm in, on board with that and I love Ray Liotta's performance. It's kind of hideous to watch, but I think it's brilliant. But I know from other people watching this film that, that part of it kind of turns them off. And that's the moment where their attention starts to wander. And that's, this. That's what you're saying. Uh, that's, that's where yeah, our attention And this wandered, kind yeah. of tension between the glamour and the hideousness, all the glamour has dropped away. And so for that reason, I shall give 4.5. Rosie. Uh, I'm going to go 2.5 because <gasps> the, 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 the pacing does feel. It feels strange. The narrative structure of it feels feels odd to me. I'm getting out my spade. <laughs> oh, I'm scared. And the lime. <laughs> Helen. I don't know how you can not be engaged in this because you just got to go, what could possibly happen next? And that when he does descend into that, there's the thing with the source and it, Cuts back to his brothers, like, got to keep the heat on the sauce, stirring the sauce. Oh, yeah, he's the same. And he's going is back. stirring the sauce on the hob. And, you know, the journey he's got to make, he's going back and he's going to this and he's seeing this and he's seeing that. Um, I think it's great because it's it's taken, a, it's taken them away from everything that went before, which was all the glamorous and the smoothiness to something that's like, okay, this is very, very wrong. This mm. is obviously leading them up to the point. Um, obviously, I've seen this so many times that, I know a lot of the lines and I know that I'm waiting for it, but I'm, I'm still going to give it a five because you just, I'm just with, you're with Henry Hill from the start until the end. A bit of Lorraine Bracco as well. Yeah, but it, it's more, it's, it is kind of his story, isn't it? That basically he wanted all this and he had it mm. and then he just kind of like gave it away a bit. And also he rats everyone else out to save himself. Mm-hmm. And he basically is, he's sort of responsible for the end of that kind of era. And then he like rats everyone else as well so that no one else can have it. What's quite funny, what's quite interesting, sorry, five for you. What's um, reading up on this and the real Henry Hill, um, he, was, he was quoted by saying, I'm surprised I've not killed me. Yeah. And he died <laughs> due yeah. to like natural causes. And I, I generally don't understand why they didn't kill him. And even though he wasn't a maid, made man because he wasn't allowed to be is uh witness protection program must be very good <laughs> no no he, 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 he messed up in yeah. the witness protection program he didn't stay in it he's fucked around so yeah. they were like oh. he get out breaking the rules of it so they I'm not that surprised. doesn't surprise yeah. me yeah he so he like went because he went to the premier of goodfellas he was henry hill was there <laughs> it's like what are you doing man they, <laughs> it sounds it sounds properly insane and the fact that he was he was there in plain sight he wasn't even hiding he was just there in plain sight walking down the streets oh, wow. and stuff like that it was a bit insane. Um, Guess there was no gangsters left to to get him. They were all. No, there's still gangsters. There's still plenty of gangsters. <laughs> there's Sopranos gangsters. Um, I've got. I'm going to go for five as well because I think every time, even though it's like third or fourth time, there is things again which I forget happen and then they hook me back in. And like like I said at the start, like I said before, just that first stabbing is like, oh, that's this is right at the start. Okay, good. Let's settle in. Um, it's just even things like seeing Samuel L. Jackson there and trying to. Remember which yeah. characters are are in Sopranos and in here again, and just a lot of these things were kind of ancillary. But also, the story beats which I forget, like when uh, Catherine, sorry Karen, she's uh, she sees um, Robert De Niro for the last time, and he said, "Just go down, just mm. go down there, yeah, and you do get you want to have thing. some Dior dressing, yeah, yeah. just yeah, go yeah, down yeah, there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, this is really so uncomfortable." Yeah, that's oh. so so tense. So it's things like that which I, I forget because they're not part of the kind of, they're not the funny house, you know, go get your fucking shine box bit, um, which I think are really endearing. Um, so once I'm in it, I'm in it. And I had lots of time, lots of fun watching it again. And that gives me, that gives us an overall score of 4.18750. It's pretty strong. Yeah, strong. Um, and we let's go to the guys on Twitter. 
Um, as always, we're reviewing. We go to Twitter before re uh, recording and say, in this case, we're reviewing Goodfellas with Rosie Wilby and Viv Groskop. Have you seen it? Gives your thoughts for an on-air shout-out on Flixwatcher. Um, Viv, do you want to take the top one? Top film tip says, shoe-shining insults, unhinged anecdotes, mob <laughs> murder, and creeping cocaine fueled paranoia in menacingly amusing masterwork. Whoa. Hashtag Goodfellas. <laughs> it's, it's all there. A rare example of flawless filmmaking steeped in character, nuanced nostalgia, and ambitious esprit. Five clowns and five mafia guys <laughs> strong emoji work there yeah. Rosie yeah strong uh, the countdown pod says not just the greatest gangster movie ever made but one of the best films ever crafted Scorsese at his best five stars all the way Helen this is from Elizabeth Campbell I rewatched this movie recently and it lives up to all the hype really visceral storytelling and some iconic performances from Ray Liotta and Joe Pesci you really feel all the highs and lows, the glamour, the violence, and the uncertainty of the gangster life. Five stars. I am Elizabeth Campbell. <laughs> nice. Elizabeth Campbell, former former guest, sat in your, no, not, didn't sit in your seat. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, guys. Can you just start off by telling the guys where we can they can find you online? And then we'll say goodbye. I am at Viv Groskop on Instagram and Twitter. So please do get in touch and let me know how many times you've seen Goodfellas and talk to me <laughs> about how amazing you think it is because it's the best film ever and I will not hear any difference. Um, you can check out my room owning women of Instagram. Every day I feature a different woman who's really great at owning the room. And the book is called How to Own the Room, Women and the Art of Brilliant Speaking. Rosie. I am at Rosie Wilby on Twitter and there's a Instagram feed for my podcast, The Breakup Monologues, and that is at Breakup Monologues. So do get in touch with me and maybe not so much about gangster movies as about love, sex, fidelity, sexuality and marriage and divorce and all of that kind of stuff. I'm always, always happy to talk about the conundrum of a romantic love. So uh, yeah, do do get in touch about about anything like that. And you, you'll probably find me posting on Twitter various sort of quizzes and questions about whether you sleep with your partner, I'd sleep in, in the same bed as your partner and things like that. Or we'll sleep with the fishes as you will be after <laughs> this. Oh, that was a threat. We've caught that. Oh, yeah. We've that's, caught that's that on mic. recorded now. So if I die... You know. Prime suspect over there. It was VG over there. I'll be made. <laughs> VG. I won't mind. I'll be made. You'll be yeah, right. but you're, not, you're not 100% Sicilian, are you? Oh, no, that's the problem. I know. You sound like I you would... want to be. Yeah. Oh, I, you see, I, I it's dangerous. Jo, jo this is what happens. All the way. She thinks she's a made woman, but, you know. <laughs> there is a Russian mafia. You speak Russian, don't you? I do. Yes, for one, I'm very Russian. That's that's another threat right there. We've just caught that one. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what she said. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for coming on. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter, and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.